Like, like the idea is like wanting to make a move and do something big, but also like, man, do I, do I really want to be having people? Do I want to have all these followers and then I got to keep up with this stuff? I don't want to be, I don't really want to have all that responsibility for other people. You know, yeah. I grew up having responsibility for my siblings. And now if yeah. I, if I go after this thing and now I'm going to be like having, you know, being responsible for others, I think yeah. it's kind of like that moment of like, I, just, I don't I'm... think I don't think you need to think about it like that, man. <laughs> like, like I I feel that I feel that if anything, you're on a journey, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you want to use a metaphor of a kayak in a river, yeah. Don't worry about who's looking on the shores. It's it's just you and your paddle in the water, you know. Mm. And it, that that's what I think of it. And you know, like. I'm at a point where it's like, this is my truth. You love it or you lump it, you know, pass me with all the others. So don't, I, I, what I would encourage as a friend now, you know, as a brother, yeah. Who cares, man? Yeah. I, I think I try to live on a very daily basis where, you know, I just want to live ethically and morally every day. And going to sleep every night, knowing that I did everything I could mm. in every aspect. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Uh, and I, yes. Who cares? Yeah. Like, 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 if Instagram shut it down tomorrow, who cares? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Chef 2 David Fu. Uh, man, if you have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that there's a flow, right? That uh, we share the mask, then it goes the front, front, back, back. Um, and that's what we do first, and then the conversation leads from there. Um, in this episode, you're going to see right away, the conversation just jumps right in. Chef Tu is renowned in his work with food. Uh, he was on Bravo's Top Chef. He just released a documentary called Bloodline, which is an exploration of his parents' experience in the Vietnam War and how that has affected them. In the documentary, it goes on a journey of preparing food and how food became a big part of his life. You know, one thing I'm really excited about in this conversation is that um, we have so much more in common than just our love for food. Now, I'm not a chef, um, but I'll whip up something in a minute, you know what I mean? But one thing that came out of the conversation is not only our connection to our mothers, but also to food. You know, me growing up, we didn't have a lot. We had to make it work. Um, my mom had a lot of sayings when the, when the money was tight, and she would never say, we ain't got no money. She would say, tonight is go for what you know. That means you're going to have to go in there and figure out what you can make out of what's in the kitchen. I got really creative and putting together some concoctions of a bunch of leftovers on go for what you know night. Some nights it was going to be breakfast for dinner night because cereal and milk is a lot cheaper than preparing for some meat and and whatever. And how much I love having cereal. 
maybe it was uh, we're gonna have air pudding. That was one of her favorite jokes. I don't know if you ever had air pudding, but just taste it. You can you taste it right there? You know, I'm so thankful for this conversation. As you see, it's a rich conversation around masculinity, around the rules that we have to abide by or play by that sometimes don't feel right, that sometimes don't feel authentic, that don't feel like they really fit us. And maybe, just maybe, those conversations that we can have with more people in our lives that let us see that we're not alone. And if more of us can see that we're not alone, then what if we had more of those conversations and then more people would have those conversations and not leave those things to afterthoughts, to, uh, to going off on a special retreat to talk about deep things, but that we do it regularly for each other, with each other, as a communication tool of seeing each other more than what we can see on the outside. Behind the resume, behind the accolades, behind the videos, what if we just could just see each other for who we are? That's something I think is so important, not only in this movement, but in this conversation today with Chef 2. I'm looking forward to one day getting together with him and having a meal together, even making a meal together. But I was so thankful for this conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it as well. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Welcome to Taking Off the Mask. doing it right let's uh, i i don't want to yeah. yeah you're dropping gems already we don't want to leave those gems laying <laughs> <laughs> laying on the cutting room floor <laughs> we're like yes, sir. oh man well i caught him i did catch him i like i like the big m I like the big m right the like when you said that just right now the idea of masculinity being the big m right like here is what i have to do it's usually like defined oftentimes by others well i i think if anything if you look at other countries in the world you know, I think they, they found power in, in feminine, uh, in being effeminate, you know, yeah. um, you look at Africa, you look at China, you look at India all pockets, you look at India. Yeah. Right. And I always find that masculinity, our definitions universally, um, uh, across the board, when we bring it up, it, my roots for it, my understanding of it. And I'm, yeah. I'm always a student of light. It's very Eurocentric. It's very manifest destiny. It's very, yeah. You know, I have the biggest balls on the earth and I'm going to go out and rape, destroy, steal people because God gave me the right to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even uh, (laughs) and even like emotionally around that, like we just did a workshop last week and uh, a young man was he made, you know, we asked him to make a mask. I don't know what he did around the mask, but when we got to the second part where they got a chance to go deeper. Yeah. There was some resistance, you know, there was some resistance. And yeah. I and I, I I saw the teacher talking to the group. I'm like, what's happening over here? And I went over and I realized, oh, they she was trying to convince him why he should share his feelings. And I was like, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> this yeah. is never going to work. Right. Because he's already decided that it's not yeah. safe. And so yeah. no matter how much you try and convince him that it's good for him, and yeah. also coming from a teacher who's more providing a lot of motherly energy, which is beautiful. I heard what she was saying was beautiful, but it was, he was already like, hey, this is. Because he was, he was taught that men aren't supposed to be like that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is, you know, they always say that America's young. America doesn't have any culture. You know, they've been saying that over the past, past few decades, right? Yeah. I think the thing is they have provided culture for, especially to young men. And it's this poisonous culture of masculinity That's right. in our sports, 
in our arts, in a, in our in our capitalism, yeah. in our democracy. Yeah, like that's that's the other half of it, you know. It's, and you know, I, I've done work in San Quentin um, Penitentiary Prison, working with um, incarcerated men, yeah. just to, you know, as a rehabilitation program. And, and no matter how how tatted you are, mm. how masculine you are, what I'll tell you, every guy that I work with, every time they've nicked their finger a little bit, it's that universal feeling. Oh my God, I cut my finger, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. Human, human elements, right? That's and it's right. It, it, and every time we cook something delicious, which was all the time, yes, um, they would be like, "Wow, this is so good!" It, it takes them back pre-masculinity. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing: it's that we we forget to be. And I try to remind, you know, I, I think it's a forever battle, which whichever my male counterparts exist, mm. whether it's the people and partners that I work with, or even my friends, I'm. I'm constantly telling them, dude, it's, it's totally okay to be human. Yeah. And I don't even talk about like being sensitive or being, it's okay to be human and have human emotions. So it's okay to cry. You That's know? right. That's right. Full, the full, the full self of humanity, you know? Yeah. Be yeah. human. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's what masculinity does. It voids men, young men in particular to being human. And I think yeah. that's, yeah. that's where all the destruction comes from. Like, I grew up with a very militaristic dad. Like mm-hmm. he's very, he's very, he's very sexist through tradition, yeah. through, through family, through war. Yeah. And, you know, he was brought up in a system where he was expected to shut up, provide mm-hmm. and, and be a machine, you know, in addition to that, men in those, in that era, men were expected to enlist in war. Mm, right yeah and they'll fight and that's the thing it's like it's so black and white in a sense where you know there's no complex narratives for identity there's like you're a man yeah. this is what you do that's right you're a woman this is what you... I, I, t- I say this openly all the time my my sister is probably like one of the most masculine people i know and she's mm. and she's a woman yeah you know? she carries those values because she's inherited she's inherited that through my dad for me i was i went the opposite way yeah you know, so mm-hmm. and I think you can think about the opposite way. And I would love to hear you say some more about that. Like, you're a chef, and I think that growing up, I think I experienced. I would love to hear how that it worked for you. Like, I was the I was the man in my house. There was no father in the house, so I figured it out from people around me. But in my house, my mother was there, and then my sister was a first sibling after me. And so there's a lot of that energy in the house, and also. Like I, I had to take care of my siblings. So I was always cooking and always cleaning yeah. and always. So like when we would go to parties, you know, or, or other people's house for a holiday, like I'm in the kitchen, I'm helping out. Yeah. And I think that it was oftentimes not seen as why is Shanti in there? Why isn't he and her watching the game with us? Yeah. Right. I'll be in there, you know, and I, I was, in, I was, I felt good until people made me not feel good about it. Right. They I try mean, to emasculate you because you weren't doing masculine things. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, or they'll come in, you know, they're kind of, hey, why are you in here? Why are you in here with all the women? Yeah. And then it, that, even that question itself, it almost is like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be in the kitchen. I'm not, this is what I'm really good at, right? Like, yeah. I, well, we could go in and watch a game, but I don't even know what the th- plays are called or whatever, right? Everyone else is enjoying those things. And I wasn't. And I felt oftentimes having to pretend like, Oh, I don't really want to be in here with cooking. I want to be in there watching the game. <laughs> and I really didn't. I really didn't. But I felt the pressure from the uncles and the other people who weren't trying to, like, shame me, I think, intentionally. It was totally a 
a programming thing. Why are you, why are you in here? I mean, just even with that question, right? Um, And I love that you said that because emasculating a young man is such a dangerous thing, I think. Um, Mainly because when you emasculate um, an individual, I think you're stripping stripping them away from their identity. Mm. And I think along with that comes with shame. You know, in in my background, I I grew up in Oakland. Mm. I have a few friends that passed away in the streets. You know, a lot of them um, in criminal activity. And I think one of the things, consistent things that I found in that sort of space where I had to to learn to detach from is that, you know, the street dudes would, uh, you know, if they wanted you to do something, they would emasculate you. Yeah. You know, yeah, like you're, you're, is there's a p word to call you a pussy? Oh you man, know, they call you a bitch. They call you, yeah, the whole. They become homophobic, transphobic, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they drop all those terms on you, and I, I think right. I never understood why there was such a huge fear around that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I can never, and I feel blessed that I felt that I, I could, you know, in those moments, I didn't, I never felt threatened or fear but i've watched my 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 very close friends go from the sweetest man the sweetest young little boy or best friend that i know to 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 a monster because they're being fed with fear of of being emasculated which is crazy right like man yeah oh man and and i and i i can recall um in middle school you know elementary school um, yeah. I got went to this new middle elementary school. Met a friend, thought we were gonna be best friends. Literally, me and that man, that that boy, we fought probably twenty five times. I got suspended yeah. more, like. But when we went, if I would go to his house and spend the night at his house, or he would come to my house, like mm-hmm. there was none of that. But when he got in front of everybody else, it was always like this. I got to prove to everybody how tough I am, yeah. Yeah. and I'm like, and I literally. Like literally, I remember I spent in his house on one Friday. <laughs> on mm. Saturday, I came back home. Sunday, we went back home. Monday, we had a fight at school. I got suspended. My yeah. mom was like, "Wasn't weren't you just at his house on Saturday? Like, <laughs> why are you fighting?" I was like, "I don't know. He was like acting all crazy, right?" And it was like to me because I have a I have a, a boundary too. Like you you can push me so far, but even though you're my friend, like we're not gonna I'm not gonna tolerate certain things, you know. And I remember. Like my mom being so confused. And then that Friday night, the week after I got suspended, I wanted to spend the house again. And my mom was like, How, what, is, what is wrong? What is what is wrong with you two? <laughs> right? Like you you two are you got suspended for two days and you want to go spend in somebody's house. That's not gonna happen. Because in her mind, she's like, Once you have a fight with somebody, it's over. And yeah. I'm like, Yeah, no, yeah. it was just it, it was over when the fight ended. It was over, you know? We yeah, we yeah. got it out of our systems. And I think it was really interesting that how many times I got I got suspended for fighting this one person who was supposed to be who we, we call each other friends, you know, yeah. um, even in that way. And definitely there were some who were not friends, but but there were definitely those those elements of like having to prove it and keep the keep the keep it clear. Like, yeah. you know, like I'm a, I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna be kind. But it, it has a has a boundary, too. You know, I, you know, I, I have to say I relate in a way where my friends who were destructive like that in their moments, not all the time. It's very rare to find somebody 24 seven. That's on like that. Yeah. I, I think everyone has a sweet side for my friends who have that. I, I remember, cause I think every child is, is born innocent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and especially all the angry and the hate. I think they're they're learn if they're not learning it, they're enduring it in some sort of way. Yeah. But as I got older, I pieced the pieces together. A lot of my friends who 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 haven't been who haven't made it far in life, yeah. I've traced it back to you know them being in very in very abusive homes. But you can't. It's hard. You know, it's yeah. it's hard for me to explain in a sense where. You know, when you grow up in it, it's hard for you to identify that that was abusive. Yeah. You know, you think everyone else is like that. Like I, I grew up with, 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 uh, you know, with a very poisonous culture of of a lot of alcoholic men, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that that was alcoholism because when you saw that on TV, yeah. it's kind of exaggerated sometimes. You, you, I mean, dads can be an alcoholic and be non-participant. Can, can be non be a non-participant in family gatherings, but. Yeah. If they just lay on the couch and just sleep all day, you know, there just happens to be like 20 bottles of beer. Like that didn't register for me as a seven-year-old, as a six-year-old, you know? And I saw a lot of the same scenarios of that, you know, with my friends. Yeah. And obviously I didn't identify the abuses because abuses are very subtle. They they don't happen in front of your face. That's right. You know, and I, I think it's, it makes me sad that, to kind of like reflect on that because, you know, and that's one of the main reasons and efforts why I, I you know, I, I, I volunteered my time to go into San Quentin because it's like, it's trying to find the stories and piece the pieces together of, of, of why my friends didn't make it, but why am I okay? Or, or why am I okay? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I just, the whole thing about masculinity, that's, that's where it boils it back to. It's that things happen to men you know, they are um, encouraged and prevented from allowing those things to heal. And that turns into poisons. Okay. And it, I, I think it, I, I really feel that that's one of the main roots for incarceration in our prison system, in addition to systematic injustice. That's, yeah. that's another big one too, yeah. you know? So, yeah. so it, it makes me really sad. Um, and I, I think if anything, I just want to make this very clear. It's, yeah. it's, I'm one person, I'm one man, I'm one individual. I think my, I'm, there's no, there's, uh, you know, when I've gone down these journeys, it's, 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 it's my attempt to understand more about myself in, mm-hmm. in the community that I come from. But as I go down this route, <laughs> it becomes more questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, student, it's continually being a student of life, you know, so. You know, and uh, and uh, I want we're going to get into making our mask right now. I mean, normally we make the mask first, and the conversation happens after. So this one is happening in a little different order. No, no, it's it's exactly how it's supposed to happen. I think the beautiful part is that there's no there's no agenda, and there's only it's an opportunity for men to connect. And I think oftentimes, and, and lots depending on who your circle are, how often do we get to have these real heartfelt conversations where where it didn't have to start off with somebody, you know with somebody getting mad over some sports or some relationships because and then we can get to emotions, but we can't just talk about them raw. We can't just like yeah. be that. That is the reason we got together to talk, to go to the heart first. Um, and Absolutely. I think when you talked about prison, I just, um, one of the statistics that I, I don't do a lot of data, but I, I do know that 94%, the last data that I've, I've heard 94% of people incarcerated are men. 94 percent 94 percent that's right it used to be 90 it was 93 it was 93 uh, when i first started doing this work and it moved up to 94 and it's like 
Well, imagine that. And I tell the young men who I work with, I'm like, why would, why is that so? Do you think that men are nine times that bad compared to women? Or is there something that we've been trained to do to bottle it up, suck it up, to not show any empathic type of feelings? And then we wonder why we operate like monsters because we're not fully human. You know, I love, I love that you asked that. And you, I, I feel that the power of narrative has been so powerful throughout history. Yeah. You know, that's why through the Crusades, they burned all the Muslim books, yeah. you know, all out through Europe, you know, yeah. because they wanted to eradicate. They wanted to erase. They wanted to change the narrative. And I think the importance of narrative is if you control the narrative, you can control the way people think. That's and right. the way you control people think is because you create the symbolic things that pe- the way people are supposed to do and how they're supposed to be and how they're yeah. supposed to act. That's right. You know, like King Henry. Oh, is it King Henry the... the Who's the King Henry that rewrote the Bible? You know? <laughs> but you know what I'm, I'm talking about, right? That, yeah. that was his thing. He's all like, I want more power. This yeah. is the way. If I had people act this way and that way. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, you know, it's going to benefit my kingdom. It's going to benefit my wealth, mm, you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I think that's what it is. And I think in modern day, I, I still, t- as of 2021, there's gatekeepers in media where oh, I've experienced it myself, where- you know, there were opportunities to play Asian characters or be an Asian thing. And they gave me this template, you know, like yeah. you're smiley, you're happy. Let's not say Oakland, let's say San Francisco, you know. Yeah. And I found, I found that true for every marginalized group in the United States, at least in history. I think, you know, Ice Cube talks about this openly. Mm. You know, the reason why he did Friday is because... Up to that point, there was only they only allowed black suffering sort of mm. story from the hood, and yeah. he wanted to celebrate. He wanted to show people that good things happen in the hood. Yeah, right. So that's why Friday came out. Mm. And I, 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 I hate to say it, but like it's the same thing with music too. All these rappers, all these R and B artists, everything in between. There's these gatekeepers. They only allow yeah. for this other narrative, you know, <laughs> where it's destructive. Where, you know, if you have all this money, you're going to spend it on these Eurocentric brands. You're not going to spend it in, you know, a community that's full of black entrepreneurs, you know, you're, you're going to spend it on like these, these like slave owning, historically slave owning high end luxury brands. That's right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, like, (laughs) But, but, but but it's the cloak, it's a cloak, right? It's, it's, a, it's almost like the the Harry Potter cloak where he puts it on and he becomes invisible, right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. oh, I get to blend in to the fact that I'm important and special and valuable and mean something because I'm wearing all this, the cloak, right? And I'm not yeah. talking bad about anybody who likes that, those things, and that's fine. But if it's your identity, yeah. if, if it's what you need to feel like you value, I mean, people, that's like people owning a you know, Mercedes Benz and living in an apartment, right? It's like yeah. nothing wrong with living in an apartment and nothing wrong with having Mercedes Benz. But yeah. if your value system is like, I want to own a thing that makes me look good, but I'm not, yeah. but I don't have, and not that, you know, I mean, I'm speaking about home ownership in the Bay Area, right? That's a, yeah. a, a hard yeah. thing to talk about because we know <laughs> it's probably cheaper to have a, a Mercedes Benz than it is to, in a house yeah. anyway, right? But I think right. in yeah. the context of how you use that as an image building thing as opposed to, um, how do I build leg- legacy for my family and for future generations? Community, uh, right? And for community, yeah. yeah. And you know what I call those people? I think those people, 
even if you had M's, even if you have millions in your bank account, yeah. even 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 B's, billions, right? <laughs> and you live your life. I think those people are really truly broke in spirit. You know, mm. I, I'd rather be rich in spirit and broke financially. And I think it's one of those things that you got to find balance. And I'm a big fan of Mr. Fab, Marshall Lynch. We all went to the same high school. Oakland, oh, right Lynch, on. And all this. But they talk about that all the time. Like, why are you spending all this money on like, you know, Yves Saint Laurent, you know, Gucci, when yeah. you could drop that same amount of money to, you know, support your, lo- your local community shirt, yeah. the t-shirt producer, whatever, around the corner, whatever. That's right. That's right. Right. So I, I think that's the thing is like, I think America promotes, I think the capitalism world promotes too much individualistic um, narcissism, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, I think if, if, if we could look at wealth a little bit differently is like, look at the wealthier community, you yeah. know, opposed to the, the, the wealth of the world, the wealth of community, yeah. the, the wealth of your culture, society, whatever. Right. Yeah. Opposed to measuring the wealth of your, your bank account. And I think, I think that's the thing. I think it's incredibly difficult to migrate towards because hmm. we exist in a system that's exploited and gained wealth off of the backs of slaves and um genocide of, mm. of, of of indigenous people and stealing all their gold and kind of everything in between right so yeah yeah so how do you how do you how do you be better you know when the head of the fish is already already funky and bad mm. <laughs> like, mm. right and I, and I think it's that same thing there you spoke about like it, it's the same thing how they make it seem as if africa is such a poor place but all the people are going there to take all the resources out of there, right? Till this day, till, till this, this day, day, still to this day, right? And China is trying to is trying to buy up um, East Africa right now because that's <laughs> their resources are invaluable, invaluable, you know? and, and right. supposedly that's supposed to be the new uh, Silicon Valley is yeah. East Africa, yeah. So, and you imagine that that that's and I think how we the narrative whoever owns the narrative gets to create the power right because if you if if everyone turns their eye and say well there's nobody there no one is valuable there and same thing with our young people when we when we talk about this work we're going to do right now around these masks whether i'm in a private school in marin or i'm in a middle school in oakland yeah the masks are pretty similar i mean the they're, they're all their unique words and they're all unique but It's the stuff on the front, the things I let people see, the things I don't let people see. And we recognize that no matter if you're making, if you drove to school as a 15-year-old in your own fancy ride, or you got dropped off by your driver, (laughs) or you walked to school, or got it written on a bus, like the the, the stuff that we deal with is very similar. It's not... It's not stuff related. It's it's yeah. it's internal related. It's emotional. It's heart. And I think that if we can get people recognizing that there's more to each of us than anybody that can see me, right? Anybody that can see me, you you see what you see, but you don't know what I'm really going through. You don't know what I've been through, what I've been through today even, right? But you can make a judgment, right? And I think sometimes our judgments usually cause us to keep people at an arm's distance, right? Because we think we already know them. And I think that's part of the work that we're trying to do today around these masks is, and I, and I know that you, that's you know, right. in, in your work as a, as a chef and as a, on, you know, on top chef and all these things you've done and, and, and growing your movement. I think that I imagine you've seen people, lots of people with masks, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I'm at, I'm, I'm 36 years old now, you know, married and, you know, I'm, 
I think as I get older, not that I'm not that old, but as I get older, I think my tolerance for bullshit starts to slim every year. You know, I treat it like a business, like I only have, you know, 0.05% tolerance of, of bullshit I'm going to deal with this year. So I think as of this year, I, I, I'm trying to be more awakened every year that progresses because life is precious, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm starting to find that in my position mm. as a as, as a blessed position with opportunity, with 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 the blessing that 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 I have a fan base and people corral to me as an advisor or a community person or any mm. media or food that I create. Yeah. So I, I think I'm I'm trying to take that with serious responsibility, nice. and all the values that I'm trying to preach out, I'm trying to reflect that into all the partners that I work with. Um, oh, I, you know, so I had a media opportunity and I'm just going to be very open about it because I, I think he's a piece of shit. Um, Michael Chiarello and his team had a, had a media project. Mm. I found out that he was on there. I immediately said, I'm not going to work with this team anymore. And just for those who don't know, Michael Chiarello is known uh, throughout the media, locally innovator for being a, um, uh, a sexual predator as a chef. You know, mm. he's been on Food Network or he's a chef, kind of everything in between. And, you know, there's not even any speculation. There's hardcore proven facts. So, (laughs) you know, and I'm pretty sure he's just in his camp and I've known people who's been affected by him, but he he carries a strong weight of masculinity. So I I think that's one thing that I I, am. It's one thing to identify it. It's another thing to um, it's one thing to identify. It's one thing to preach about it, but I'm trying to live by what I preach. And I think. That's that's probably my biggest uh, uh, struggle at the moment because I think it's one of those things where it's like, how do you make things right mm. within your reach? Yeah. Right? yeah, and that's a very uncomfortable, hard thing to do. Yeah. That means you're turning around, fi- turning down financial opportunities, media opportunities, yeah. um, resources, and telling people to their face, having a very uncomfortable conversation about yeah. whether it's their masculinity their ethical conduct, their moral conduct, which is all tied into that mm, and yeah. telling them, I don't appreciate that. And I'm not fucking with you anymore, yeah, you know, in a, in a professional yeah. manner, right? Yeah. Without, I apologize. Sometimes, <laughs> so do, sometimes those do drop because I think sometimes people need to hear in that sort of way. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, I try to remove this out of my vocabulary out of, I'm not trying to be a better man at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I'm just trying to be a better human, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just yeah. period. I just want to be able to sleep at night. I just want to know that, you know, removing myself from the context of what a man is expected to do. Yeah. But just to be a better life partner to my wife, you know? Yeah. Be better friend, son, father, everything in between being a better person, right? Yeah. So. And that's easier said than done, my friend. I, I think you, you, you know this, but I think it's the, 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 the effort. I think that counts, right? Yeah, I think that you know when you said that part about like uh, as this this age at thirty six, and then me, I'm I'm forty seven, right? So Looking this good, idea. Bro. Looking- <laughs> Looking great. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. I think I think the idea is that how much tolerance do I have now for like when you say like like I don't have really any a whole lot of energy to be having conversations that are, are meaningless to me, right? Yes. And I think like yes. when I the hardest part is, you know, I used to, 
I used to have a conversation about a, like an hour long conversation about sports that I really deep down didn't care about, but I had them just because I didn't want to make the other people around me feel awkward or uncomfortable. So I would be like, oh yeah, let's talk about that. I've, I've, sure. I'm not at all really interested, For but sure. ultimately I had, I'll do it. I'll, I'll play, I'll play, I'll play along. For and, sure. and I think when I got to the place where I'm like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't really want to have this, this, oh, okay, that's interesting. Now, you know, it's not doing anything for me, right? Like, if you say, oh, do you watch football? I'm like, no, not really. You know, I watch the highlights here and there. You don't yeah. watch football. And then you can feel the judgment in the question, right? And yeah. then you're like, am I having to defend something about myself because I don't watch a certain sport? But all the, but it, but it's a game, yes. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, been, I've been emasculated in the same ways with my childhood friends up until this age. Yeah. And I think from the way I figured it out, it took me years to kind of figure this out, but it's like, I'd rather spend my extra time. I'm an entrepreneur. That's a seven days, seven day a week sort of job. In addition to that, with my extra time, I'd rather just spend it with my family. And I, I think opposed to finding a husband, a wife activity and husband activity, we just do stuff together. And to be fair, she doesn't enjoy football. So I'd rather <laughs> do things and spend time with her, you know, yeah. which will better my relationship with my lifelong partner you know like that's yeah. my best friend so i want to do things with my best friend which happens yeah. to be my wife you know um mm, yeah man, man. Like, like, like i i just i respect sports culture I, yeah. I i think if anything i've benefited from it in very indirect ways in my youth in in in, in a sense where it provided me a safe space you know yeah and, invited me so it learned it taught me like discipline and and sticking to a regimen but i think yeah. there's so much poisonous culture in that in a sense where i don't appreciate the sort of toxic masculine that's in there where you know if you if you're not a part i feel like it's so like cult like if you're not a part of this yeah. <laughs> you're going yeah. to hell are you you're yeah. not a part of this you can't be friends <laughs> you're not a part of this you're not a man it's so right. cult like this weirdest yeah. way and I think that you know, you, you, and I, and I, for anybody, any sports fans out there, I'm not talking bad about sports. You know, I, I'm not. I think they have their place, and I'm and I'm glad for those who love them. I think yeah. what I'm hoping that people catch from this, the nuance is, if that is what you have to discuss in order to feel justified to sit in a certain group, if like, that's what, that's my context around it, because I think I used that example twice today. But yeah. I'm not. A, I love sports. I think sports are great. I just don't spend a whole lot of time watching them or talking about them. Like it, they exist and I watch it here and there. But I think what I really want to say is I had a young man in my um, in our program and um, every time we would go visit people, he would meet, you know, adults in the work. And they'd be like, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because that's what all adults ask. Right. He's like, oh, yeah. I want to be in the NFL. And I was like, I would be like, sometimes I'll be shocked when he said it because, you know, yeah. this is a young man who I never see carrying a football. I've never mm. seen him make one play. I've never mm. seen him on a team. He's never worn a uniform. And I'm like, okay, well, you you are a sophomore in high school, and you every time we meet people, you tell them you're going to be in the NFL. I know you you like how it feels when they respond yeah. to you. Oh, really? Because yeah. oh, because it's dopamine, right? To tell somebody yeah. that that thing, is, which is the epitome of athleticism, mm -hmm. it makes people actually get excited. People get really excited, and then mm -hmm. you get excited. But if your reality doesn't live up to that, if you're if you're not on a sports team, <laughs> you're a sophomore in high school, you you're not even on a team. You're yeah. probably not going into the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen later down the line, but 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 I also tell him see, and I told him one day, I said, you know, hey, can I just check in with you? Like, why do you tell people that? You know, like, is that what you really want to do? And he was like, well, yeah. I said, but 
you you don't you don't you don't play. Yeah. How how are you going to achieve the 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 highest level and you don't even have a practice that is training like you know? And I think what I wanted him to do, I don't want to kill his dream because an outsider could say, "Oh, you're trying to hurt his dream." But but but, but, but is it a dream? You know, is it a dream or is he just regurgitating what he knows? That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, like a lot, like, uh, you know, I come from very working class family in, in high school, my senior year, I, you know, I had to beg my parents to get me into honors. Like, you know, my, my teachers recommended it. I had to beg my parents. My parents just didn't understand the value of that, you know? Um, the value of being challenged, the value of education. And then in my senior year, I graduated, just disclaimer, in my junior year, I got arrested. So I was like, mm-hmm. not, I was I was doing at-home schooling for my junior year because I was yeah. in trouble and I had to move away. Oh, wow. um, but I still was able to graduate like with a 3.2, which is pretty solid for not being around <laughs> for my junior year. But at that point, my parents were getting ready for me to go work in a factory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they wanted me, my mom was working at a, at a seamstress company. She was a seamstress for women's clothing. They were lining me up to go do that type of work without the discussion of college. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. you know, and, and I'm a man and in my family, my sister went to college. That was expected of her, you know? So I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things I never knew in my heart or in my life about what success can look like in all these different mediums. And if I, if I felt like if I knew better, you know, considering that I, that I never became a chef, I probably would have been like, I probably want to, would have done stock market stuff or became Mm. a lawyer, you know what I mean? Or, or become a writer or, 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 or go into graphic design and, and do media. Like I didn't know of that world, you know, like it was so, I was so sheltered from that. And just like that young man, my community of friends, there was only a few ways to success. And this is what we saw in our community where those yeah. few athletes who got college scholarships, whether it's basketball or football, who made it yeah. out, they came back, came back, you know, with their nice cars and, you know, they're doing well, right? That's right. That's right. In addition to that, there's, there, there were, there were, there were the pimps who, mm. you know, who, who was sex trafficking yeah. and there were the drug dealers. You know, and like, what what other what other formula of success for a young you know if if you shield a young mind off, you know, they can't imagine that far ahead. You know, and I I I I, I feel for that young man. I just think he doesn't know. And that's right. For you know, for me, I I was just so blessed to have, even though these were like toxic masculine, you know, um, uh, friends of mine who, who did bad things. I was so blessed that throughout my high school years, I would cook, you know, we would stay out late night and, you know, we would cook, I would cook on a barbecue grill and I got motivation from them in this most indirect way. Like two, you can cook. That's what you should do. You should be a chef. And, you know, food network was just popping off like during my high school year. So I think by like sort of the grace of God, if you will, yeah. or the grace of the universe yeah. without being religious. Yeah. It steered me in that sort of way, you know? And I, I think it's one of those things, man. It's, 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 it's narrative. You know, I don't yeah. feel like we're providing our youth 
um, you know, with the appropriate narratives or, or the narratives for them to kind of be what they can be. And, and the only, only place I've seen narratives yeah. like that offered is, you know, those private schools or those really yeah. rich schools, yeah. like Piedmont or, yep. Yep. you know, or Palo Alto. Ed Royce or, right? <laughs> yeah, or right Roy, there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Man, man, oh man. Okay, let's do this. Okay, this is exciting because we we we've sure. we've done we've done this show and we've haven't even done the mask and we've already been talking about it. I think in, in essence, um, why don't we do that? Why don't we make the mask and then I think it will um, just it will just round out the thing. And I think you know this is the first time we've I mean we we've made it almost to the end and we haven't even made them, which is beautiful, right? Because cool. it's, it's usually <laughs> the conversation starter. Well, man. Um, in in okay. In in this in this activity, um, there's only three steps, right? We we draw a yeah. picture of a mask, and then yeah. we write three words on the front, which are things that we gladly let the world see, and then we write. So that basically, let's use the left side as the front, and then the right side is the back. Got it. And then on the on the back, we write three things that we often don't let people see. I think uh, can I? This is to be fair. I, I feel like I'm pretty open about it. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if that if there's anything that I withhold at this Good. moment. Like I'm I'm blasting Whitney Houston, George <laughs> Michael, like uh, Boy George sort of vibes. Uh, nice. You know, I I hug. I you know I. I praise Martha Stewart, like, <laughs> Oprah, and like I think I've already navigated to that space. But I think my wife would probably be better at identifying that. Mm. For me. I, I think when you think about, I'm thinking it's like things that you like. Let's say if we think about things that typically like. So if you think about the front, it's just things that I go like. Walk out the door. Now your wife, she knows, she knows you intimately in a deeper way, right? But let's say like yeah. when you when you like normally just head out to like regular daily opportunity, you know, work or stuff or play. Uh-huh. Here, here are the qualities that I gladly. Here are the ones that I don't usually like talk about, right? Like these are the things that yeah. the backer. I got, I got that idea. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I trust whatever you put is fine. And if, and if it's blank, then it's blank. Right. But I think whatever you do is going to be just great. Um, and we've already been talking. Man. I think we've already, you know, hit at a lot of topics. And I think um, uh, in this idea of this conversation around masks, you know, that's just how we've. Uh, and I think that when you talk about that, that young man who I talked to the other day, I was like, he, he had a different thought. He was like, Oh yeah, I man, I don't, need, I don't see the need to talk about this stuff. And then you know mm-hmm. what you're saying is, you know, I talk about it regularly. I talk about these things regularly, which is beautiful. Um, and I think that um, so the front we got. Let me see. So let me keep writing. So let me see. Um, and I think we've also like as we've been involved in this podcast and this is our second year of it, we've been like, why don't we do a different format? We're going to start doing like a format where it's like a like you know, IG live, and we just interview. We talk to people for like 10, 20 minutes, ten minutes or something, smart, more short form, where we're just like, "Hey, let's just talk about these masks." I think that sometimes, yeah, it, I mean, you know, I think you know, busy people, you know, it's hard to find an hour to sit aside, right? You know, got things going on, and we're trying to make it easy for people so that young men and people can hear from people, everyday people, but also we don't need to have an hour. We can, you know, an hour just gives us more time not to be rushed. But uh, but even in ten minutes, it's like, well, let's talk about our masks. You know, today. Absolutely. What does Absolutely. the mask look like? You know, 
Absolutely. And I, yeah. I love that because it's so shareable on social media too. Yeah. You know, the IG reels. I think that's I think that's maybe the next thing we're gonna do. I think I'm gonna try and uh, ter- experiment with this week, and um, invite some people for a ten minute a ten minute podcast and yeah. see what happens. You know, sign me up for those social media things if you uh, uh, when the time comes for that. Oh so. man, I would definitely do that I would, for sure. Well, I can't wait to hear about the next pop up because I'm, I'm I gotta get me I gotta I've been watching so many of your videos. I feel like I have not tasted <laughs> your food yet. So, like I, I wanna I wanna taste. It's you know. A- I stopped the pop-up like a few years back and I okay. did this full pivot to the media space. So right now I'm a filmmaker. Nice. Um, so I have a film on PBS uh, airing nationally called Bloodline about my family. And that's, there's a lot of like mother matriarch, some masculinity things in there. I think, I think you'll like it a lot. Okay. And then I'm working on another film that we're pitching to Sundance. Um, nice. Our deadline is like this week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, man, I look forward. Well, and blood. Okay. So I'm. We make sure we put all that in the show notes so that people can see yeah, it. So I, I want to see it myself. I think Thank I appreciate you. it. And I heard you talk about your mom. So I really, I'm yeah. really interested in talking about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm working on a cookbook about you know the matrix of my family, hmm. all, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm shifting fully into that direction, and I, I think I, it's been so you know the weight the weight has been lifted from my shoulders of like creating this image and that I used to care of about people judging me or not. And I, I'm just learning to embrace my true story and, 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 and existing. And I, and I think the, the most coincidental thing that happened in being vulnerable and open is that other people reached out to me, people who both men and women, both people who, look like me and don't look like me mm. I, you know I, I feel so seen by you being so vulnerable open and honest and i think that's to me that's that's me is so much more fulfilling than being considered masculine or manly you know yeah. oh man <laughs> oh man i appreciate you for that and and that's you know what i saw what, what, this past week um we did a workshop and um like like starting off the first in the first five minutes i lost it like i and i was like no this can't happen <laughs> and i was like i was i was tearing up and i'm like okay Sean, we just started we can't we can't start off like this and it, it was that it was that moment of like of like trying to like like really get them get them really clearly bought in but also like trying not to lose it right it's like a, a, a dance between the being I, I, yeah, I feel like those are the ultimate icebreakers because if you come in and be vulnerable with them, they're yeah. more likely to be vulnerable with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, I think that's, I think that's the way. That's you know? it. That's, that's it. the way. Be vulnerable. Well, it is, and I think I heard Kevin Walton say something like, "Vulnerability is your truest, authentic version of you." Absolutely, right? the truest. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, we we we're already in this. We're already fully in it, and I'm so excited to be on this call with you, man. I'm so excited to see your film. Well, you, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first with the mask? I can go first. Okay. So just share the front first. Just you just hold it up and then share the front. Let me draw my my mask face. It's <laughs> <laughs> a smiley face. All right. So just this is the front. Okay. The fold fold it over. Fold it over so we don't see it. it. Yeah. Just so we don't we don't we don't want to. We're, we're gonna see it all anyway. Oh well, man, we can do it both. We can do it both. I mean, I'm I'm down. Oh, yeah, I see you got this face in the middle. Okay. okay. I you see you. you see Go ahead. Saying? Do it. Open it. Open it up. Open it up. Let's do it. Okay. Open so it. That's okay. The front. <laughs> Open it up. And that's the back. Right. Awesome. Okay. 
So my front is, um, what does it say? I am big and strong. Mm. First thing, um, I have tattoos, right? Yeah. It's big signifier of, <laughs> of masculinity, depending on where you are. Some some people might call me a predator because I have tattoos. That's extremely mm. prejudiced, by the way, right? <laughs> Um, and then the other one is I'm a chef, you know, that's, those are things that I wear in my outer shell. Right. I think these are things that I've been working on, uh, over over the past few years that I'm trying to be more comfortable with. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, as long as it's my true honest self and my true story and then identifying that to be true about me, not that it defines me, I think it'll be, you know, so far it's, it's been such a healing process for me. So the first one is. Um, hidden the backside would be I cry, mm, right? Yeah. And then the second one, this is super funny. I do my baby voices. I do a baby voice with my puppies because like they're small. They're like twenty pound dogs, super cute. You're not gonna be like, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, hey, come here. Name's Chestnut and Theo. Like you know, because you want to be a nurturer, right? Uh, <laughs> I do my baby voice. I don't, I don't. I'm telling you, every one of my homies, no matter how tattooed. You know how big, how strong, whatever, how manly they pose to be. Every moment where their child has is born and them holding their babies, every dad, every dad goes into baby voice. You know, <laughs> every dad. You know, and that's not, that's nothing to be ashamed about. You just in that moment you become a nurturer, yeah. and that's okay. It's that's totally right. okay to do that. That's right. That's right. And then the last one is um, I've experienced abuse. You know. Mm-hmm. That's something that's in, incredibly been difficult for me. And I'm on, I'm continuing to learn to speak up about it because I think when you speak up about it, it's not that you're correcting the injustice, yeah. but I think there's, there's the more, the more I talk about it, the more, the more, um, the more I can identify yeah. with others, um, yeah. not just with myself. So. Mm, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank and you. I, and it, and just to resonate, um, yeah, I've also experienced abuse and mm. it's been a, a big, it's just recently been a story that I've been able to mm. let go of, you know? Yeah. yeah. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, and it's so hard as men because, you know, you know, just to be very, a little bit open about it is that it, it really affects our relationships with, with, with our romantic partners. It affects yeah. the way we treat kids and our expectations. It, 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 you know, for me, it's rooted into like my, I have nightmares about it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, you know, the actual abuse. It came in the form of like monsters and yeah. like, you, you can't interpret it. Like yeah. it affects you in these sort of different, in all these different ways. It's, I feel like it, a lot of times it's the root of my anger because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my abuses, mine were sexual, you know, like, I felt emasculated and I found that in my teens, I had to prove my masculinity because of the shame, you know, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I I can, I I know Mm. um, that other people who've experienced my sort of trauma and other men who've experienced this sort of trauma, like a, a, a lot of them haven't had the blessings that I had to steer me in the right direction, you know, Sometimes that that ain't that anger can be easily corralled to do the wrong thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and 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 mine mine was also sexual. And I think mm-hmm. when I was eight, and I think what I began to do is I began to eat, <laughs> literally, mm-hmm. 
as a, as, as a coat. That's right. And I I ballooned. I can see pictures where I just began to just balloon and and in my even to my adulthood, I was just like, why do I have like I I didn't really ask the question because I was always a big guy, right? I played yeah, football yeah. and I was like I was like I was like okay, but I realized only recently over the last you know two years that I go to food for comfort, and yeah. food is a way for me to escape and feel, make make feelings kind of get better right and i think it but it's not good because i i I have an addiction to flour and sugar and the best the best things in the world are made with flour and sugar and um i love them and they they love me in all the wrong ways health wise um and i think that i didn't know that i was doing that i didn't because i actually had put the uh, the memory in a a really a holding place and and just over the last five six years when it when it came back i was like sure yeah so thank yeah. you thank you for that man thank you no, for sharing no, that and um, i think with a lot of young people i and when you talked about ha- having young people who i meet who are self-harming in lots of other ways i mean i was self-harming with my with my teeth right eating yeah. but yeah, i mean yeah. some, some are self-harming with cutting some are with drugs and alcohol and some are just yeah. jumping into relationship after relationship after relationship trying to find wholeness and yeah. I've seen it come out in so many other ways for those who couldn't compartmentalize it or channel it into something sure. positive. And so um, thank sure. you for sharing that. For sure. Know, Absolutely. I, and I, I echo that in a sense where I, I felt because I had, um, I felt that um, it was kind of known in my family and I felt unacknowledged in this weirdest way, but no one ever talked about it. It was kind of like just swept under the rug. And then I felt because of that, I felt I felt so destructive. Mm. You know, I felt that I would get into fights all the time. Yeah. You know, not that I would win all of them. I get beat up sometimes because I yeah. just I just wanted to fight to yeah. like get the feeling out to yeah. be a, like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Right, yeah. and I think it's one of those things where. Um, like I said, it's, 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 it can be so destructive if not handled appropriately, you know, it's be so destructive if that kid doesn't have a coach Mm. or a teacher and say, wow, you're really smart. You're really to to, to hand out kids or youth, a sense of self-worth because going through that, it's whether it's one time or a million times, every single time you are being left with feeling worthless, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> worthless. Yeah. Worthless yeah. than everyone else. I'm a, let me show the back so you can see my, what I, what yes, I created. Um, on the front, I wrote, uh, first of all, thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you. I, of course, no, thank fast, you. But I just want to thank you for sharing that. And, and it's I heavy. <laughs> no, I appreciate you. I think it's so needed because I think that what I'm learning from, as as I begin to get more courageous, um, people are also finding ways of being able to share it with me as well. And I think I've held it for so long, thinking that it's going to go to my grave with me. And I realize it's serving no one if it does that, right? And yeah. I, and, and and all the the good things I've done is a result of those things, and all the some of the bad things I've done are a result of those things. And yeah. uh, I tell people I'm. I'm both awesome and a jerk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I'm I'm both, right? It's like we, we all come from scars, you know. There it is. There it we is. All come from scars. Yeah. Oh man, thank you, brother. Okay, well, here's thank a you. friend of mine. The front says funny, serious, and 
dedicated. Uh-huh. And then the back is uh, fear of failure. I wrote mama is so important to me. My, mom, my mom's been traveling for a while, so I haven't seen her in maybe three weeks. So yeah. it's, uh, I usually see her a lot more often. So yeah. um, that that's that's coming up present. And yeah. worry about being enough, right? Yes. Like in this in these big goals and dreams that I have, like yeah. sometimes I'm just like, oh, come on. I can't, I, like, like the idea is like wanting to make a move and do something big, but also like, man, do I, do I really want to be having people – so I want to have all these followers and then I got to keep up with this stuff. I don't want to be, I don't really want to have all that responsibility for other people. You know, yeah. I grew up having responsibility for my siblings. And now if yeah. I, if I go after this thing and now I'm going to be like having, you know, being responsible for others, I think yeah. it's kind of like that moment of like, I just, I don't I'm, think, I don't think you need to think about it like that. man. <laughs> like, like I, I feel that, I feel that, if anything, you're on a journey, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you want to use a metaphor of a kayak in a river, yeah. Don't worry about who's looking on the shores. It's it's just you and your paddle in the water, you know. Mm. And it, that that's what I think of it. And you know, like I'm at a point where it's like this is my truth. You love it or you lump it, you know. Yeah. Pass me with all the others. So don't. I, I, what I would encourage as a friend now, yeah. you know, as a brother, Thank you. yeah. Who cares, man? Yeah. I I think I try to live on a very daily basis where, you know, yeah. I, I just want to live ethically and morally every day, and going to sleep every night knowing that I did everything I could. Mm. in every aspect mm. you know what i mean yeah i like that uh, and I, yes who cares yeah. like, like like if instagram shut it down tomorrow who cares like <laughs> right like, like, like that's what happened to me during this pandemic honestly like yeah. i've had i had a tv show with kqd pbs fully funded you know everything was set out for me to like succeed you know in 2020 and then all that got ripped from underneath me and i had yeah. to like detached from whatever I felt like I deserved. Right. Right. And it's just kind of start all over. And I, I think at the end of the day, who cares? You know, yeah. I, I think just live and love righteously, man. That's, that's all you got to do. I love that, you know? man, yeah. man, to David fool brother. Yes. I am so, so glad to have had this conversation with you. Man, I think we could go for two hours. We could, we could have a. This would be our. I, I feel like it, it just it doesn't have to stop. But I know we asked you for this amount of time. Yes, I sir. I so appreciate you, and I hope that we do continue this connection. I Absolutely. do hope we do, and I wish you luck in the journey towards Sundance. Will you let folks know um how they can can follow you? You know, learn the things that you're the projects you're working on. That you want people to know about. Uh, will you tell us here, and we'll put them in the show notes as well. But uh, let yes. us know what things you're working on right now. Thank you so much. Um, so if you guys want to follow me, you can follow me at Chef2DavidFu on all the social media handles, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, kind of everything across. And then if you guys want to follow my projects, just go to Chef2.com and subscribe. Um, be a part of like, you know, this movement, the group that I have where anything comes up, you get a update in your inbox. Um, just to kind of circle back, I'm a filmmaker now and I'm going to, uh, I create everything from long to short format. 
um, from photos to films to kind of everything in between for social media. Um, and I have a film out on PBS that's airing nationally called Bloodline. If you just Google search Chef 2 and Bloodline, you'll be able to watch it for free on YouTube. And then I'm working on another one, but stay stay posted on that. Plus every film that you work on, it takes about two to three years, man. <laughs> there's uh there's no shortcut to that. So hopefully soon. Well, thank you. And I look, I, I'm gonna reach out to you about the, after you figure out this next project. because yes, uh, I wanna talk to you about the work we're doing with these with these masks around the world and maybe we can, we can work on a project together to support some some people to to take those yeah. masks off. That would be amazing, Ashanti. Like being on this podcast is such an honor of mine. Oh, I love man. the film as well, the documentary. Excuse me. Oh, man. Um, but anything that I could do to support this, uh, we, we need to grow the flames of this yeah. movement, and you know, let's make the world a better place. Especially, let's do it. Yeah, let's do let's it. Start with oh man, thank you. So nice to meet you. I'm looking forward to connecting again. Be well, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Likewise, bless. Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we hit this one-year anniversary. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.